Perfect Stranglers contains graphic and explicit content suitable for mature listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hi everyone, welcome to Perfect Stranglers, this is Kylie. And I'm Bree. And I'm Nicole. She's back. (laughs) For a limited time. (laughs) For For a limited time only. Like holiday. No, you still put your, you still put your, you still put your buy stranglers at the end of every episode, don't you? I don't. You don't? No. Because you usually say Nicole. Well, you usually say. You have to put. (laughs) Like I do. Well, you say bye, and then Bree usually says bye, everybody. So I just stick with Bree's goodbye. All right. All right. Well, if you wanted to add in a surprise by Stranglers, I'm sure no one would be mad. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. I, I always because when we listen to do people actually like listening to my voice that much. <laughs> I think they do. I think it's a nice end to it because we had you say bye Stranglers at the end of every episode for a long time. Yeah. And it's a nice end to it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You do what you want. Maybe I'll have to hide some I'm just... buy strangler uh, Easter eggs or something in yeah. some of our yeah. episodes. Yeah, I mean our first whole our whole first season had a buy stranglers yeah. in it. It did. Yeah. You guys ever like you ever have tabs open on your computer to like see something later yeah you're like i'm just gonna pin it i'm just gonna have the tab open and then the page refreshes and it's not what you were looking for and then you can't figure out what you were looking for yeah yeah i'm having that happen for christmas gifts oh no because i should have written down i should have written down like exactly where i found stuff from to buy you know yeah and it's like getting to be crunch time here yeah and like everly wants certain she just loves marvel movies Mm -hmm just with a passion mm-hmm. and so i'm trying to get that figured out for her but like she's obsessed with spider-man but there's ghost spider which is gwen stacy and she has like a pink outfit it's like purple pink and white and it's really hard to find an action figure of ghost spider so i had one i found it on ebay but now it's gone mm. breaking my heart Dang. speaking yeah. of christmas presents i have recently been disappointed by italy um Italy you need to get your shit together because I had this brilliant idea to send my one of my coworkers this like it's gonna be a beautiful basket of things Michigan made and also homemade by yours truly and luckily I did my research before I sent it I looked at it I looked at like custom regulations for Italy and you cannot send, like, anything to Italy. Like, any type of, like, food-esque item can't send anything, like, like, literally. <laughs> you can't send so much stuff to Italy. And that makes me really sad. They have, like, really, really strict yeah. regulations. Hmm. And I'm really disappointed because i was excited to share some some goodies with my coworker. Hmm. What's that? So so that reminds me of a story. There is a bakery in the UK that i follow on Instagram and they recently found out that this, so they have a birthday cake 
um, I think it's a cake, but there might also be a brownie that they have that they've put sprinkles on and they get their sprinkles from America. Well, America's food is awful. A lot of people who go overseas and eat foods that they can't eat here, like bread and stuff, they'll go over to like the UK and eat the bread there and they'll be completely fine. Turns out they're not actually like gluten intolerant or have celiac disease or anything. It's just there's preservatives in our bread that they don't have over there and it's really just the preservatives and how shitty our our food actually is mm. here even though it, like something maybe a little bit healthy it's truly not yeah everything here is so sugary and that type in processed right. so they'll go over there and they'll eat the food and they'll be fine well they're using these sprinkles and the sprinkles that we use here have food that is have ingredients that are not allowed at all over in Europe. So this company had to stop using their sprinkles, and then they have we're stuck with using like ugly pale sprinkles that are used over in the UK Gross. because you can't use artificial coloring yeah. and stuff. So Ew. that reminded me of that because I would I would venture to believe that some of that restriction is a lot of the ingredients that we use here are not allowed over in the UK yeah. or over in just Europe in general Probably. because our our FDA rules are just so lax yeah. compared to over there. Like have you ever seen like um like naturally colored like like M&Ms or like um cereal or whatever? It's like it mm -hmm. it doesn't look good. Oh. No. No. I think maybe we What's going on, Brie? Do you hear that? Yeah. Um, we're gonna probably have to cut this part out, but I have a really nice neighbor who's snow blowing my sidewalk, so. Oh, <laughs> that's helpful. That's so nice. Your wish came true. Yeah, just gotta wait for him to. That's helpful. Yeah, I had a um, a friend who used like natural food colorings from like beets and berries and stuff, yeah. and like I, I get what you're trying to do, but it's just not pretty. Right. You know, yeah. like if I, my food's going to have color, it needs to have some, like a punch to it. Like there's a, like red velvet cupcakes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they can taste a little off if you're using too much food coloring. Yeah. But you do have to use some food to turn chocolate into red. Like they're, you got to use some food coloring. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're like weird, like pea colored, like greens and weird just weird color yucky yeah. yeah not appealing yeah very like 1950s kitchen colors yeah mm -hmm. just dull america home of the colored foods yeah red dye so, number 40 <laughs> exactly man my friend is allergic to red dye number 40 yeah it's really annoying yeah <laughs> It apparently, oh, they that say that really it, like, annoying. causes hyperactivity in children and stuff like that. Yeah, food dyes aren't great. They're not great, and they're in everything, especially kids' foods, mm -hmm. because nothing makes a kid want to eat fortified cereal other than it being fucking colorful right. and full of sugar. Do you guys remember when they had like fruit. green and purple ketchup back in the day? Oh, yeah. Yes, I do. <laughs> the texture was weird. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't taste right. No. no. So, have you guys ever watched Hot Ones, the interview show where they eat spicy wings? Yeah. 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 So, Tom Holland, Spider-Man's coming out, and I'm so excited. I'm going to see it on December 20th by myself. I bought a ticket. I'm going to go see it in IMAX. Ooh. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. I wish we had one of those here. I know. And Spider-Man and The Witcher Season 2 come out on the same day. <laughs> 
my like nerd heart is so full <laughs> about that situation. I just I'm so excited because um, Henry Cavill grimes up good. But um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Hot ones. So they make their own hot sauces, but they recently just came out with a kid's hot sauce. So it's like sweet and spicy. It's green apple. It's like green apple something and a jalapeno and it's like apparently like not super spicy you know but just like a little bit of a kick to like wean kids into tasting pasta like being adventurous with their food and their sauces yeah. and stuff the label is super cute i'm thinking about getting everly yeah. for that sounds just good. Enough. she like she has to dip everything and everything she dips are her thing just <laughs> fucking loves Same. a good dip Love it's good like dip. uh yeah. Fucking, um, what was it? Martin Short's character from uh, Only Murders in the in the Building. He's a dip man. All he eats is uh, yes, yeah, is dips. <laughs> That's such a good show. Yeah, I love it. Such a good show. Highly recommend. So before we get to what we're talking about, let's do some housework first. Uh, Stranglers, hi. Kylie here. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate that you come and listen to us every Thursday. Uh, Click the follow button on whatever platform you're listening on so that you know when our new episodes are coming out. If you're listening on Apple, please give us that five-star rating and leave us a review because that really helps people see our podcast and just makes us even more popular because who doesn't want to be popular? So also... Uh, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Perfect Stranglers, a true crime podcast on Facebook. Instagram is at Perfect underscore Stranglers. Twitter is at Perf Stranglers. And if you have any interesting stories or recommendations, drop us a DM in one of those or send us an email. Contact at PerfectStranglers.com and uh, we would love to hear from you. And that's that on that. Bree, what are we talking about? Uh, we're talking about the Black Dahlia today. Which is something I've always, um, I've been interested in it, and I've always, uh, wanted to do this case. So, that's what we're doing. I'm excited. Can I just say one thing real quick? Yeah. When I just went, <laughs> it reminded me of Frozen, where the guy goes, Yoo-hoo, big summer blowout! <laughs> that's my, honestly, <laughs> that's my favorite part of the entire movie. Yeah. Seriously, like, I <laughs> love it, and I love to do it. I just like I I want I want to be that for Chris or for Christmas for Halloween and just walk around yoo-hoo, big summer blowout. <laughs> that's that's literally so the best part of the whole movie. Oh, it Which, is! It's so good. Yeah, it's maybe is sad even because they like try to make yeah. this whole spectacular movie and that's my favorite part. Like <laughs> that's the part that everyone remembers. That's the part adults remember. Yeah, I love it. Is that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the Black Dahlia, um, Elizabeth Short, we're going to learn about kind of, uh, you know, her history and what happened to her and, and all that kind of stuff. So, um, Elizabeth Short was born on July 29th in 1924. She was the third out of five daughters to Cleo A. Short and his wife, Phoebe May Sawyer. Um, they lived in Medford, Massachusetts, uh, her, which is a suburb of Boston. Um, her father was in the business of building miniature golf courses. Um, Fun. yeah, until 1929 when the stock market crashed and the family went broke when he lost most of his savings. 
Um, the next year, in 1930, Mr. Short's car was found abandoned on the Charlestown Bridge, and it was assumed that he had jumped into the Charles River on purpose and died. Um, his body was never recovered, and Elizabeth's mother moved herself and her five daughters into a small apartment in Medford, and she worked as a bookkeeper to support them. Um, as a child, Elizabeth was sick with bronchitis uh, a lot, and she suffered from severe asthma attacks. She had lung surgery at um, age 15, and her doctors suggested that she relocate to a milder climate during the winter months to prevent further respiratory problems, which, oh, wow. duh, I mean, if I could just have my doctor write one of those notes up, like, you have <laughs> yeah, to move to quick. California Warmer or Hawaii climate. or something yeah. in the winter, <laughs> yeah. doctor's orders. Um, so her mother sent her to live with family friends in Miami, Florida during the winters. She dropped out of Medford High School when she was a sophomore, and a few years later, in 1942, when Elizabeth, um, was 18, uh, Elizabeth's mother received a letter from her husband who she thought was dead for 12 years. Wait, what? Yeah. Um, it was an apology letter, and he revealed to her that he had started a new life in California. So, in December of that year, um, Elizabeth moved to Vallejo, California, to live with her dad, who she hadn't seen since she was six years old. Um, she lived there for about a year until arguments between her and her father led to, um, her moving out in January of 1943. Um, she began working on an army base and lived with friends, and she briefly lived with an army Air Force sergeant who reportedly abused her. Um, she left in mid-1943, and she moved to Santa Barbara, where she was arrested on September 23rd, um, 1943, for underage drinking at a local bar. Um, she was 19. And the drinking age in California has been um, 21 um, since at least 1933, uh, which surprised oh, me wow. coming from Wisconsin because when my <laughs> parents were 18, they were allowed to drink. It was legal in Wisconsin. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not saying that my parents are this old, but I'm just saying, like, more recently, <laughs> like, the drinking age is, like, way lower in our state. So. Oh, by the way, I have to apologize to your dad. <laughs> that reminds me. What's your dad's name again? Roger. Roger, listen, I am so sorry that I swear so much. I'm trying to cut back just for you. <laughs> I'm going to try and cut back on the F-bombs, the S-bombs. I'm sorry I said boner in the previous episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really trying. I'm going to make it my New Year's resolution. To stop saying all of the all of the curse words. <laughs> Thank you for caring. <laughs> all right, that is I'm all. Sure Continue. He that. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> she was sent back to Medford um, after her underage drinking. She was sent back to Medford by authorities, but instead she instead of going to Medford, she went to Florida. And she only made visits to Massachusetts. 
1946, after World War II, she visited an Air Force lieutenant that she knew from living in Florida, and he was stationed at the Naval Reserve Air Base in Long Beach, California. So she ended up staying in California, um, moving back to California again, and working as a waitress with dreams of being an actress. Tale as old as time. Um, Mm -hmm. She was a very social and exuberant young lady, and she was just trying, always trying to meet new people who could make her an actress. Um, Well, her fun in L.A. lasted about six months uh, before she was ultimately murdered. On the morning of January 15, 1947, Elizabeth's body was found severed into two pieces, bisected at the waist, and completely drained of blood. She was, it was very pale. Um, her skin was very pale. She was also mutilated with several cuts on her thigh and breast. She had been slashed from the corners of the mouth to the ears, creating the Glasgow smile. Her body had been washed and was posed with her top half having her hands above her head with the elbows bent at right angles and her lower half was also posed and positioned about a foot away from her top half with her legs spread apart and her intestines tucked neatly underneath her buttocks. Um, I think uh, doing a second pass through with the uh, snowblower here, so pause for a second here what nice neighbors though yeah every time i hear glasgow smile i think of the joker yeah or the guy from the irish guy from sons of anarchy exactly Mm-hmm. what a good show that was too full of men who grime up good <laughs> <laughs> you know who's the grossest nastiest grossest guy that i really hated so much on that show um, Who? was the guy with dark curly hair and blue eyes. I don't remember his name. But Opie? No. He was an older guy. Um. Um. I don't know who that he is. He had a mustache and he had light, lighter colored eyes and dark curly short hair. Oh, I know who you're talking about with the, the mustache. He was really tan. Yeah. Yeah, he was an awful fucking person. He's disgusting. He was like, do you remember Prison Break, Teabag? Um, no. Did you ever watch Prison no. Break? Okay, he reminds, I don't know, I know some of our listeners who have watched Prison Break. That guy in Sons of Anarchy is like that show's Teabag from Prison Break. Just like slimy, disgusting, gross human. Yeah. I think he's almost done. He's doing like the alley so like people can get out. I don't know what much about that guy. He's um, the neighbor, I mean. I've lived here for like three years and I've said hi to him and stuff and I don't even know that guy's name. I remember, there was a, I wonder when people stopped knowing their neighbors because there was definitely a time when people really started like knew their neighbors i feel like it was probably around the time cell phones and social media really started to be a thing where people stopped knowing their neighbors i mean i think it also depends on like what kind of neighborhood you live in because yeah for sure i'm thinking of like midwest nice neighborhoods i'm just not that friendly you know (laughs) like the guy that lives above me, though, he's an older guy. He looks like he's probably in his, like, 60s. He's a vet. 
He has a dog. And I hear him laughing his ass off every fucking night. I'm sure he's a little drunk watching TV. But he literally, and I can hear him yawn every night. I hear, <laughs> every night, like that old grandpa yawn so every single night as I'm vet, reading my books. Like he's a veteran or a veterinarian? Like a veteran, okay. yeah. Yeah, like a veteran. Okay. Um, and yeah, I hear him laughing his ass off every night. And it's so funny to me <laughs> that he's just is having a jolly good time up there. That's awesome. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's gone now. Um, okay, this discovery was made by a local resident, Betty Bersinger, who was out um, walking with her three-year-old daughter. She initially thought what she was seeing was a discarded shop mannequin, but um, she, when she realized that it, it, was, it used to be a person, she went up to the nearest house to call the police. On the scene, um, investigators um, located a heel print tire tracks and a cement sack which i take to mean a bag which once contained cement mix mm-hmm. um anyways inside yeah. of it was watery blood so that's pretty gross Ew. um yep. yeah they turned to the autopsy autopsy for more clues about what happened to her um there sorry that was the snowplow um <laughs> There were ligature marks on her ankles, wrists, and neck, and also an irregular laceration with superficial tissue loss uh, Mm. on the breast, so it sounds like a chunk taken out. And Mm -hmm. Elizabeth's body um, had been cut in half completely using a surgical technique, which was taught in the 30s, called a hemicopia corporectomy, which involves the lower half of the body being removed by transecting the lumbar spine between the second and third lumbar vertebrae. Uh, The autopsy report noted very little bruising along the incision line, suggesting that it had been done after death. Her skull wasn't fractured, but it was badly bruised on the front and right side of the scalp with bleeding inside of the skull. The cause of death was determined to be hemorrhaging from the lacerations um, to her cheeks and the shock um, from blows to her head. She was identified um, thanks to her underage drinking arrest where she was photographed and fingerprinted. And really scummy reporters from the LA Examiner contacted Elizabeth's mother, Phoebe Short, um, immediately following Elizabeth's identification, they told her that Elizabeth had won a beauty contest so that she'd agree to talk to them and give them information. Yeah. Uh, Because they wanted to put this information about her in an article. Um, So after they pried for information and got what they wanted, they revealed that she was actually wasn't a beauty contest winner, that she was actually a murder victim. Um, these scummy reporters also offered to pay her airfare if she would travel, um, and also pay for her accommodations if she would travel to LA to help with the police investigation. That's what they told her anyway. This was a ploy to protect the reporter's scoop because she accepted and she was under the assumption that she was going to be helping, but it was actually the newspaper offering her this and they kept her away from other reporters and the police to like protect their story. Um, 
So these unethical newspapers were run by none other than William Randolph Hearst. (laughs) Yeah, they sensationalized the case in the papers and the media nicknamed her the Black Dahlia um, because it was rumored that she loved wearing black and that like it was her signature color and there was also a movie out at the time called the blue dahlia uh in the movie the blue dahlia um was a nightclub and the movie was like a a crime movie i don't i don't know much about it other than that on january 21st 1947 someone claiming to be black dahlia's killer called the newspaper the LA Examiner and talked to the editor, James Richardson, and congratulated him on their coverage of the case. Um, Told him that he was planning to turn himself in, but that he was going to allow the police to pursue him a little longer. The caller also told Richardson to expect some souvenirs of Elizabeth Shorts in the mail. Three days later, on January 24th, a U.S. postal worker discovered a manila envelope that was addressed to the L.A. Examiner and other L.A. papers that he felt was suspicious on account of the envelope being addressed using clippings of individual words and pasting them onto oh. the manila envelope. Um, That's creepy. And for what? Like, that should not be creepy. But that is creepy. Yeah. Also on the uh, envelope... Uh, envelope read, here is Black Do- or here is Dahlia's belongings, letter to follow. Inside of the envelope was Elizabeth's birth certificate, business cards, photographs, names written on pieces of paper, and an address book with the name Mark Hansen embossed on the front. Everything had appeared to have been cleaned with gasoline, but despite efforts, uh, several partial fingerprints uh, were found on the envelope. They were sent to the FBI for testing, but sadly, these prints were compromised in transit and were unable to be analyzed. Uh, On the same day that this uh, manila envelope showed up, a handbag and a black suede shoe were seen on top of a garbage can about two miles from where Elizabeth's body was found. These items were recovered by police, and when they looked for prints on these items, they found that any prints had been wiped clean with gasoline. Um, destroying any fingerprints. So as far as the suspects go, the first person that they looked into was this Mark Hansen guy from the address book with his name embossed on it. He was a wealthy nightclub owner and theater owner and uh, an acquaintance of Elizabeth, who sometimes was called Beth. Um, and her, she and her friends had stayed at his house on several different occasions and he confirmed that the shoe and handbag were ones that looked exactly like Elizabeth's. Elizabeth's roommate, uh, Ann Toth, um, told investigators that Beth had recently rejected sexual advances from Mark Hansen and suggested it as a possible cause of her death, for her death. Um, Hansen was cleared, though, and so were 150 other men that the LAPD interviewed and polygraphed as potential suspects. The investigation was a huge undertaking because they had a total of um, 750 investigators from the LAPD and other departments working on the case in its initial stages. Tons of other locations throughout LA were searched, but they never found any more evidence. Uh, LA City Councilman Lloyd G. Davis posted a 
$10,000 reward for uh, information leading the police to Short's killer, uh, which $10,000 back in the late 40s is equivalent to about $115,902 in today's money. Um, A few confessions... Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. A few confessions were reported um, to the police after the reward uh, was offered, and most of which were deemed to be false, with several people who made false confessions being charged with obstruction of justice. So going back to January of 1947, two days after the manila envelope was found, another letter was received by the LA Examiner newspaper, which was handwritten this time, and it read, here it is, turning in um, Wednesday, January 29th at 10 a.m., had my fun at police, signed Black Dahlia Avenger. The letter also stated... The Avenger? Yeah. Like the Avengers? I guess. Black Dahlia Avenger. Or Avenge Her. Avenger. Oh, okay. Avenger. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The letter also stated... Um, the location at which the supposed killer would turn himself in and police waited in said location for the alleged killer but they did not appear instead what happened was that at 1 p.m the la examiner offices um, received a letter which was cut and glued just like the first envelope and it read have changed my mind you would not give me a square deal dahlia killing was justified Because of the precise cuts and dissection of the body, the LAPD was looking at the possibility that her murderer had been a surgeon or a doctor or at least somebody with medical knowledge. Um, The next month, in February of 1947, um, the University of Southern California Medical School was served a warrant requesting a complete list of the program's students. Um, Background checks were conducted, but nothing came of it. Um, so it was a cold case, basically, for many, many years, until Steve Hodell started looking into the case. Steve Hodell was a veteran of the LAPD, serving almost 25 years with the force, almost all of those years as a homicide detective, with one of the highest solve rates in the force, um, while working on more than 300 murder cases. He retired from the LAPD in 1986, and in 1999, his father died, and he found himself going through all of his father's belongings. Uh, Amongst the items was a small photo album. Inside of it were photos of his mother, his brothers, and his sisters, and near the end of the photo album were two photos of a young woman with dark hair with her head coyly turned away from the camera, Steve thought to himself that um, these pictures looked shockingly similar to the Black Dahlia. Um, being a former homicide detective for the LAPD and growing up in LA, he was familiar with the Black Dahlia cold case. Um, he had the photos analyzed, and they could not definitively say that it was Elizabeth Short in the photos. They could not also definitively say that it was not Elizabeth Short. They had kind of the same, like, tip of the nose, same hairline, um, some of the really similar features. 
So this really reignited a curiosity for the case and Steve Hodell started looking into this evidence, anything he could get his hands on. So he was not with the LAPD at this time. He was just a retired guy digging into a, this old case. Sitting um, in his apartment, yawning, drinking, laughing. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, so. That's my neighbor. Yeah. So he, so he filed for a Freedom of Information Act to get access to files. He talked to old timers who were on the force. And he had an idea that his father was somehow connected to the Black Dahlia case. Um, so as he was sifting through any information he could find, he saw the notes sent by the purported killer to the LA newspapers. He saw the one that was handwritten, and he knew without a doubt that that was his own father's handwriting. And from that point on, he believed his father to be the murderer who killed Elizabeth Short. In order to start to tell you all of the reasons and pieces of evidence that pointed to pointed Steve Hodell to this conclusion, you need to know a little bit of background about um, Dr. George Hodell. Um, George Hodell was a very uh, intelligent person with a very high IQ. Uh, he his IQ was actually one point higher than Einstein's. Um, he was a music prodigy when he was a child, and he had great education, even going to a Montessori school in Paris, started by Maria Montessori herself. At age 16, he started medical school and he breathed through it. Uh, he was a well-respected physician in LA and he was the head of social the social hygiene bureau specializing in venereal diseases. Um, so basically the health department. Um, he knew many people in high places, and he knew uh, many other highly regarded doctors, movie directors, lawyers, and artists, one of which was a famous artist and photographer named Man Ray, uh, who took nude photos of George Hodel's then 12-year-old daughter, Tamar, mm -hmm. um, with his permission, so clearly <clears throat> was a terrible father and a terrible person. Yeah. Um, but it gets worse. Um, at age, uh, at age 10, George Hodel taught his daughter Tamar the, um, she taught her oral sex and started passing her around to his friends <gasps> at orgies that he would have. And he eventually, eventually he himself raped his daughter, oh. um, ar around age 14 and she ran away from home. Mm-hmm. And she was located by the police, and she told them about the abuse that she had endure endured, and they arrested her father for incest. In court, the case was dropped after many family members of George Hodel's um, claimed that Tamar was lying. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, likely because they didn't want him to go to jail, because he was a rich and successful doctor who often um, gave money to these family members. Yeah. And the fact that they arrested him for incest instead of, like, sex crimes. Yeah. Like, incest is a sex crime, I guess, but not, like, a well, violent yeah. sex crime. Right, like... Yeah. Like, at, you know, rape, assault. At, at, right, like, at knife point or what? I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's like, she was abused for so long that, like, that wasn't needed. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? She just was, her mind was not disassociating. You know, she was right disassociating because of, from what was Right. Happening. I feel terrible for her. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, one of the reasons that Steve Hodel thinks that his father was the murderer is because of how Elizabeth Short was posed, positioned with her hands over her head. Um, the placement looks extremely similar to family friend and photographer Man Ray's photo, which is entitled Minotaur. Um, in the photo, um, in Man Ray's photo called Minotaur, it is basically a person, a shirtless person, with their hands up, and it kind of looks like, it's supposed to look like a, like a bull's head with like a horn, like the horns. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is the imagery that you're supposed to be getting from it. Um, so he felt that his father was inspired by his friend's artwork, and that he wanted to create a masterpiece with a medium that he knew well, which was the human body. Um, since George Hodel was a doctor. Um, Steve Hodel's suspicions that his father was the murder, murderer of the Black Dahlia were strengthened when he found um, in some old original files uh, that the LAPD had considered George Hodel a suspect. Um, he was specifically listed on a short list of five main suspects. Oh, wow. Yeah. Another thing he uncovered in his investigations... Excuse me. Uh, another thing he um, uncovered in his investigations was a receipt from a building company who had been doing construction on the Hodel home on Franklin Avenue a week before Elizabeth's, uh, Elizabeth Short's murder. The receipt was for several bags of concrete, and he thinks that George Hodel used empty bags left over from cons the construction project to transport Elizabeth's body um, in that concrete bag with the like watery blood in it. Like, he thought that was one of the bags. And um, he later found that after the incest case uh, in 1949, um, that the LAPD officers had illegally bugged George Hodel's home in 1950. The tapes were not included in the evidence, but the transcripts were. Some shocking quotes from the transcripts uh, include this very damning quote. Suppose and I did kill the Black Dahlia. They could never prove it now. They can't talk to my secretary because she's dead. Now, George Hodel's secretary, it, it was listed as a drug overdose on her death certificate, but, I mean, he's a doctor and he could have maybe injected her or, like, yeah. set it up to, you know... So, also, he knew people in high places. He could have just had yeah. it written mm -hmm. on the death certificate. Um, so, also revealed by the bugging devices was Hodel's involvement with paying off members of the LAPD and also wanting to organize the same type of arrangement with the DA's office. Also revealed in these recordings was that Dr. Hodel was involved with doing back-alley abortions. Possibly... For those um, uh, who are like the the powerful who's who of Hollywood, and it is hard to definitively say with any degree of certainty that there is a hundred percent proof that Dr. Hodel was 
unequivocally the murderer because about 80 to 90 percent of all the evidence um including physical evidence has been lost or misplaced over the years wow okay yeah so that's the spish um yeah possibly slash probably because of the payoffs of hodel apparently dealt out to the members of lapd and at the time the lapd was extremely corrupt even more so than they are today um and payoffs were very common back then um hodel likely had a lot of dirt on other people because he knew about the sexual histories of many of his famous friends and had access to files, being that he was the head of social hygiene for L.A. County, and also because he had been performing these secret abortions. Um, They stopped pursuing him as a suspect in 1950, um, despite members of the LAPD telling their family members that they knew exactly who killed the Black Dahlia and that it was a doctor who lived on Franklin Avenue. So, it seems like it was known, but, like, he was being protected. Yeah. Maybe because of payoffs or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, very suspicious. Um, Steve Hodel also thinks that his father is responsible for many other murders, including one in L.A. shortly after the Black Dahlia murder, in which the initials B.D. were written on the torso of the female victim, who was also posed. Um, written in red lipstick, and Steve Hodel claims that the BD was his, in his father's handwriting, and BD is him signing himself as BD the Black Dahlia Murderer, or Black Dahlia Avenger, as he wrote in the letter to the LA newspapers. Um, also, there was a murder in the Philippines in 1967 that... Um, Steve Hodel thinks that his father may be responsible for because in 1950 after George Hodel like he kind of suspected that he was uh being watched or a suspect or whatever so he moved to Hawaii for three years and then he moved to the Philippines and he lived in the Philippines for like over 30 years wow so also a little suspicious yeah. Um yeah. so but anyways this murder in the Philippines in um 1967 um he thinks that his father might be responsible for it because it was the female victim who was um dissected and and found posed in a vacant lot about a half mile from George Hodel's residence in the Philippines. And Steve Hodel presented his claims um to the assistant DA of the L.A. County, which he, at the time he was anyways, so now mm-hmm. he's a former assistant DA. Um, his name is Stephen Kay, and he reviewed Steve Hodel's findings, and he agreed with him and said that had George Hodel been alive today, George Hodel died in 1991, um, but had George Hodel been alive today, that he would recommend charging George Hodel with murder. Wow. At least two counts. Yeah. So, pretty much seems like it's solved, but there's no way to tell because all the evidence is gone, suspiciously. Yeah. So it's not like you can really go back and. Yeah. I think it's pretty clear that he's definitely the murderer. Yeah. I mean, there were other doctors that they suspected, 
but I don't know for me it's for me it's like the the receipt for the building materials and stuff mm-hmm. and like like a week before and like I don't know just just all that yeah also um something I didn't mention before was that in the morning that she was that she her body was found there was a black car in the area that looked similar to a car that George Hodel had although I don't know if that really is like super important because like I don't really know a lot about cars back in the 40s but it just seems to me that there wasn't like that many models of cars and probably a lot of cars were black yeah I mean how many colors of cars were there back then probably like, not a lot right yeah, <laughs> yeah I, but I don't know probably it seems that. to me that he's the guy yeah and if he's not the guy he is probably the guy of something else because he's oh yeah hella sketchy for sure they even mm-hmm. like um they took cadaver dogs over to the house which the house is a very like famous piece of architecture i guess it it's this house that the on franklin avenue that the the hotel house um it was really a work of art and it's been featured in some movies and it looks like a mayan temple and it was designed by frank lloyd wright's son actually mm. it's a beautiful house so anyways they took these cadaver dogs to the house and also there's a secret room in the house um behind a bookcase that the kids were never allowed to go in and they just assumed that it was like storage or something like that but who knows what went on back there or was what was stored back there but these cadaver dogs did hit on cadavers in and around the area of that house in the alley behind the house However, the people, like, the dog's handlers or whatever, like, you know, they know about, like, how the dogs are trained and this and that. And they said that, like, it's possible It's possible that, like, like the scent of the cadavers or whatever could have been carried by, like, water. Like, in the alley behind it, the house or whatever, mm-hmm. like, if there was, like, water or something that, like was exposed to like cadavers then like the water draining down the alley could have accounted for that so like they don't really want to like use that as proof but like it's suspicious also yeah yeah very very suspicious so yeah that's the black dahlia i mean there's tons of other little details and stuff like that like i'm sure that there's some like black dahlia like fanatic out there that's like you left this out or whatever you know like she was i mean yeah like i mean there's a lot of stuff like there's stuff that like i left out like like if you ever take like a tour of like dark la like a dark la tour or something like that like they will like take you probably to like the biltmore hotel um which is the last place that black dahlia was um seen alive like a few days or like a week or something before her murder spoke but it just to me that didn't really have anything to do with the case so like i just didn't put that in like there's you know tons of stuff like that so but that that, this was like the main gist of it and who i personally think is was the murderer yeah that's really interesting Uh uh-huh and it's it's also interesting that the person that has compiled all of this is the son of the suspected yeah yeah 
what a turn of events that mm-hmm. is. Yeah. So, and then, you know, they asked, and I saw a 48 hours investigate interview with Steve Hodel. And, or maybe it wasn't, maybe it wasn't an article I read about it. But anyways, they asked him, if your dad was alive now, and you figured all this out, what do you think he'd think of it? And he said that he thinks that his dad would actually be proud of him for all his, like, research and putting all the pieces together. Mm-hmm. Which is, like, very telling in itself. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you figured it out, boy. I built this puzzle for you, and you figured it out. I'm yeah. proud of you. Yeah. He definitely yeah. did it. For sure. I mean, yeah. who in the transcripts, like, who would say... It, what innocent person would say, "Hey, suppose and I did kill O.J. Simpson, Dahlia, <laughs> right? O.J. Simpson, <laughs> yeah. Case in point, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, famous L.A. murderer. Very interesting. I've murderer never, and I, murderer. I, I've known the story, <laughs> like I, I've known the general like gist of the story. I didn't know the details mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. And I know it yeah, just because well, of ghost adventures. All right. I also, um, I think that um, Elizabeth Short, like, her reputation really got ruined mm-hmm. from the media because yeah. by everyone who knew her, the sensationalized media articles were nothing like her. They made her out to be this, like, you know young like sex crazed vixen you know whatever but she was just like she was really poor actually she lived in an apartment with seven other girls and they all paid a dollar for rent and she a dollar yeah (laughs) and they um like she had like really badly decaying teeth and she like mm. filled like her cavities with like candle wax and stuff like that oh. and like oh, wow. Yeah, she was just a struggling gal trying yeah. to make it on her own in LA, trying to break through to Hollywood. Yeah. That's really sad. So yeah. Yeah. But yeah, right. that's what we got for you today, Stranglers. Yeah, if you like what you heard and you have ideas of what else we wanna we should talk about. Feel free to hit us up, contact at perfectstranglers.com, or uh, drop us a line in the DMs, yo. And we will chat with you next Thursday. Bye, everyone. Bye, Stranglers.